Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Grace Curley Show. Thank you all very much for tuning in today. We've got a big show planned for you. You know, uh, uh, a mystery for me yesterday was that Fannie Willis, the Fulton County DA, the current... Why do I feel like I'm going to be soon saying ex-Fulton County DA? Then again, I don't know. The reviews are mixed. The Democrats think she did a pretty good job. Maybe they'll have a run for president. Who knows? But Fannie Willis kept referring yesterday during her disastrous hearing, during her testimony... To her father, she kept referring to her daddy. She said it multiple times. And at one point she said, you'll soon meet him. And I was like, what? What? Will we? And then today I see on the stand is Fannie Willis' father. I mean, I I saw everybody talking about, you know, the Jerry Springer trial. But when that happened, all I could think of was, and here's the father coming out on stage. Yeah, I... what are we doing? It was, and, and you know, I've I've only seen the closed captions. Again, no volume on my TV. And I will say, I think that we know where she got her gift of the gab. I think her storytelling ability has come from her father. Because when I tuned in, when I decided to read one of the closed captions, he was talking about dating his dating Fannie Willis's mother and why he carries cash. I mean, there's there's so much history to the reasoning behind these piles and piles of cash. And I hope, here's what I'm going to say. I hope Bob Menendez and Nadine are taking notes, okay? There are plenty of excuses that can be deployed. You don't have to blame Nadine's late mother for the gold bars okay be a little bit more creative you can say what you want about fanny willis and her father but they are committed to this they are committed to this story of the cash we're going to get into all of that but i actually wanted to start off with something very serious alexei navalny the leader of the russian opposition party died in prison there's plenty of speculation and rightfully so um about the russian state's explanation about his death they're saying he felt unwell and then passed away shortly thereafter. Um, as Ben Q in Red State pointed out, quote, given the Russian state's notoriously loose relationship with the truth and penchant for murdering political opponents, it is unclear whether this version of events is correct or whether he was the subject of a deliberate assassination, end quote. And I, I would guess it's the second. Um, you hear a lot about defending democracy from our keyboard warriors, you know, sipping on lattes in D.C. And I'll talk about how, for example, Fannie Willis right now is defending democracy. She is democracy and she's being attacked. But Navalny, the 47-year-old who is now dead, he's an example of someone who is actually fighting with courage for freedoms. He's an example of real courage, 
uh, willing to risk it all, to lose it all, to fight against the Russian state and, of course, against Vladimir Putin. The Wall Street Journal wrote today, Alexei Navalny didn't have to return to Russia in January 2021. That he did is a testament to his remarkable courage and also an explanation for why Vladimir Putin so feared Navalny, who died in a Siberian prison on Friday at age 47. So nations have been reacting to this news. Um, and political pundits are also trying to gauge how the White House will handle this, especially given the fact that Biden was asked about this exact situation in 2021 at a press conference. And people might remember this press conference because, well, first of all, there's been so few. So it's easy. I remember all of them pretty vividly. And I remember all of them for different reasons, like for different. OK, so that was the time he snapped at this person or that was the time where he said the minor incursion remark and that led to. Uh, Russia invading Ukraine. There, there usually is some sort of stamp, like a Biden trademark moment in all of these press conferences. And this press conference in Geneva was really the first time that we saw Biden snapping at the friendly press. And it was Caitlin Collins, I believe, from CNN, who was the subject or who was uh, who was lucky enough to incur Biden's wrath. Yeah, this is the trip to the, as he says, so-called G7 that he always references. Yes. And so he meets with Putin and then he does this press conference after in Geneva. And I want to play. Do we have the flashback, Jared? Yeah, let's play this. You said just now that you spoke to him a lot about human rights. What do you say would happen if opposition leader Alexei Navalny dies? I made it clear to him that I believe the... The consequences of that would be devastating for Russia. I'll go back to the same point. What do you think happens when he's saying it's not about hurting Navalny, this, all the stuff he says to rationalize the treatment of Navalny, and then he dies in prison? Yeah, so devastating consequences is what Biden talked about if this were to happen back in 2021. Now, you can obviously tell this was a while ago based off the fact that he is far more sharp than even if it wasn't great, like still kind of a messy answer, a lot better than anything you'd get today. So devastating consequences is what he says in 2021. And then so far today, we have crickets where what time is it right now? It's almost 1215. And we have not heard from the president of the United States. I actually checked the White House's website today just to see because usually even if like you're not going to bring them out right away, they put out a statement. They have somebody write up something. And stick it up there just to kind of cover their asses. They say, oh, yeah, you released a statement. And nothing when I checked this morning. Um, Now it says that he's going to speak soon. His schedule looks like he's going to East Palestine later this afternoon. We'll talk about that, how he's going to be received there. I've been seeing some local news stories on this and some man-on-the-street interviews. Doesn't seem like it's going to be a warm reception. But perhaps... He will mention Navalny just when he comes out to speak right now, and then he won't bring it up in Ohio. I don't know. Um, But this is what they said about his schedule today. He's going to deliver remarks on how the administration is holding Norfolk Southern accountable for the derailment and is working with state and local officials to support the community as it moves forward. Now, I think now, because of how abnormal things have been in this current administration, and we're going on almost four years of it, Americans aren't really registering how bizarre it is that the president wouldn't immediately come out and make a statement on this. Like so far, we've heard from Antony Blinken, 
Secretary of State, he said, quote, about Navalny's death, quote, his death in a Russian prison and the fixation and fear of one man only underscores the weakness and rot at the heart of the system that Putin has built. Um, I think a lot of people are waiting to see what Biden has to say. But there's something else I want to mention here that I think is important. The vice president is at the Munich Security Conference today, and she's already commented on it. That is not normal. Okay, it's just not. You cannot tell me that this is how things are supposed to go. That the vice, you type in right now, Navalny and the White House on Google, you're going to get headlines. Kamala Harris blames Putin's brutality for Navalny's death three years after Biden warned. Uh, Harris says reports of Navalny's death are another sign of Putin's brutality. And she she spoke about it, and she actually was coherent and fine. And she she um, sent her prayers to Navalny's wife, and Navalny's wife, who has a, a hard name to pronounce, she was able to do it, which I'm sure Biden's going to butcher that later on today. But I'm not criticizing anything she had to say in that front. I'm just saying it's bizarre that when you're googling this right now, that all the headlines are about Kamala Harris. It just shows you. That he is not at the helm of this in any way, shape, or form, which we already knew, but it confirms it yet again. Now, the vice president, and Dana Perino was on today on Fox, and she made this point, which I didn't really think about, but it does make sense. She said that um, they announced his death today, Russian state media or, you know, whatever outlet was the first one to announce it. There is a chance that Navalny died earlier and Putin simply waited to time out the announcement with this conference that the vice president is at. But she spoke, and do we have the cut of Kamala Harris at this conference? Let's play it. Before I begin today, we've all just received reports that Alexei Navalny has died in Russia. This is, of course, terrible news, which we are working to confirm. My prayers are with his family, including his wife, Yulia, who is with us today. And if confirmed, this would be a further sign of Putin's brutality. Whatever story they tell, let us be clear, Russia is responsible. And we will have more to say on this later. Yeah, I, I don't know what Biden's going to say. We know in these moments he likes to come out and he likes to talk tough. But there are consequences for that if your actions don't match up with your speeches or you know your viral moments and so i don't know if he'll take a different approach to this today and if it will be a little bit of a a pivot from what he said in 2021 but i can assure you that we will have all of the sound from that but i wanted to um i wanted to start with that because that is a huge story alexei navalny dead at age 47 russia obviously say like vladimir putin the russian state obviously saying that um, that he died, he felt unwell. He went for a walk and felt unwell or so- something along those lines, something that no one's believing. And a lot of other nations coming out and um, expressing their condolences and also condemning Russia, condemning Vladimir Putin, which is to be expected. 844-500-4242. Okay, so when we come back, we're going to dive into Fannie Willis and also not not just her testimony from yesterday, which selfishly, I mean, come on, you guys know that I'm going to revel in this. This is entertainment. This is peak entertainment in my mind. But also what I always find myself coming back to, Jared, time and time again, 
is the coverage afterwards. Because every time, I'm so naive, I'm so stupid. Every time I think the media has to be honest about this. Like they have to admit that she blew it. That this was a train wreck. And every time it's like, no, they don't. No, they don't. They are so far in to this delusional world that nothing is going to shake them out of it. Not Fannie Willis screaming at Trump's lawyer. Or not Fannie Willis talking about how she prefers Grey Goose to wine or how she was eating caviar or how her daddy told her this and her daddy told her that. And that she's not the one on trial. Democracy is being attacked. None of that is going to shake our media who are so devoted to Democrats and to most of all beyond Democrats to getting Donald Trump. That's the priority. And what happened today, Jared, is that both Trump's lawyers and Fannie Willis, or if you want to say the the Fulton County lawyers, the Georgia lawyers, they both said we've heard enough out of her. Which I don't think that's very common, where both sides are like, I think we got what we needed. I'm guessing her lawyers were saying she can't talk anymore. This is a disaster. And Trump's lawyers are just going, perfect. This is all she wrote. I will say about this, though, about the judge. A little confused. Because how he was talking with the judge yesterday, how he was part of the Federalist Society. That's the group that sent Trump all the Supreme Court picks. I have to imagine he's very qualified and smart and all that. But did anyone else get the feeling like he was getting walked all over? Like he I was waiting for him at some point to say, excuse me, please do not speak to the lawyers like that. Like this woman was so entitled. That was the part where I was just waiting for somebody to say, hold on a second. You are you have to answer the questions. You are not running this show. I don't know. Maybe that was just me. Maybe maybe that was part of his plan. We'll talk about that when we come back. 844-500-4242. Fanny Willis. And we're going to take a trip down memory lane. You know, uh, before the fall of Fanny and how she was covered in our media. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Dr. Houghton of Perfect Smiles is the best in the business. When it comes to dentistry, he's the best at what he does. He fixes your teeth and your smile. But what he really does is he builds the self-confidence of his patients. Because if you are proud of your smile, if you feel good about your smile, every part of your life is going to improve. And you're just going to have a little pep in your step. You're going to feel good when you look in the mirror or when you're talking to people. It's going to make you feel better. So if you've thought about perfect smiles, but you keep putting it off, you keep saying next month, next month. Well, guess what? We're in February 2024. So now is the time. Take the first step. Just give them a call or go to perfectsmiles.com and check out their website. Check out their video testimonials. It's very easy to get to. It's right off Route 3 in Nashua, New Hampshire. They've got plenty of parking. And again, that's perfectsmiles.com. When we come back, we're going to take your calls, 844-500-4242. I want to get your take on Fanny's hearing yesterday. And for anyone who's been following it today, if you could give us some updates on how her father's doing on the stand, that would be much appreciated. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. Whenever Biden is expected to speak on Russia, 
or anything to do with Russia. In this case, he is going to make remarks on the death of Alexei Navalny, uh, dead at age 47. But whenever he is about to speak on something like this, everyone should be nervous. Because we've seen what he can do when he gets in front of the microphone. We've seen the kind of chaos that his words can bring. And I, if I were one of his aides, I would really be saying to him right about now, you stick to the script, old man. You stick to the script. Do not start riffing. Nobody wants to hear about your anecdotes or your personal stories when you're giving remarks on Alexei Navalny. Just say what's on the paper or on the teleprompter. And I would be saying the same thing about his trip to East Palestine, too, because that's going to happen later on. And that actually brings us, Jared. Jared's shocked. I never do the poll question when I'm supposed to. It's Friday. I'm giving you a break today. Today's poll question is brought to you by Perfect Smiles. Don't be fooled by imposters of similar names. If you're unhappy with your smile, you need to visit Dr. Bruce Houghton in Nashua. Call 1-844-A-PERFECT-SMILE or visit perfectsmiles.com. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurleyshow.com, is how will Biden make the East Palestine disaster about himself today? Oil slicks on the windshields growing up, his affinity for trains, his dad losing health insurance, or the kitchen fire? His dad losing health insurance? I didn't even think that was going to be a contender. It's not. Spoiler. Um, I'm going to say... So for me, it's between... For me, the clear front runner here is the oil slicks. But the second hey, one... Clear. The second one is the trains. Because he loves trains, and he'll he'll talk about trains. He's a train guy. He'll talk about trains, Jared. If there's nothing to do with trains, he'll manage to bring them up in conversation. So the fact that this is about a train derailment, I think it's almost inevitable. I uh, I just want you to know that uh, Amtrak is here. They can tell you that you could you should name half the line after me. <laughs> I am the most railroad guy you're ever going to meet. Yeah. So. Oh, this is hard. This is hard for me. This is a choice I didn't want to have to make. I'm going to go with trains. I really think that that for him is going to be like the flashing sign that he cannot, he can't avoid it. His affinity for trains is at 33%. That's in second place. At 36% is the oil slicks on the windshields growing up. 19% for the kitchen fire and 12% for his dad losing health insurance. Hmm. Very interesting. The kitchen fire. Yeah, I guess because he brought that up before in regards to yeah, East that's, Palestine. That's the one that uh, that happened while he was doing an interview with sixty Minutes or whatever. But he was also watching it when the firefighters uh, went in through the window or something. Yeah, so, you know. it, it, the story changes. Like most of Joe Biden's stories, the details change over time. Uh, Jared, I wanted to give you a compliment because I got a text message from a completely non-biased source um, who really enjoyed your your producing job yesterday with the oh. cabins and the sound, and that would be my mother. She thought oh. you did a really bang-up job with all the sound yesterday. And you just made her laugh, talking about how you also book a lot of cabins, <laughs> like Nathan Wade. We're going to get into that. Well, thank you very much, Mama Curly. I book lots of cabins. Speaking of, not Mama Curly, but speaking of Daddy Fanny Weiss... Or Willis. 
We're going to talk about Fannie Willis's father coming up. And I also want to take a trip down memory lane to remind you all how the New York Times covered Fannie Willis a year ago. Very different than today, but then again, not that different. We'll be right back. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. I've had a couple people asking me about the vote in Milton, what I what I make of it. And in case you haven't been following or if you're not from Massachusetts, there was a vote on the MBTA Communities Act zoning plan. And I was shocked leading up to this how many yes signs there were, because a lot of people wanted you to vote yes in Milton, and they were on board with this. I voted no, um, and I encouraged other people to vote no. But Healy has already, the state and Healy have threatened to withhold grants and funding if this doesn't go through. I guess she has plans for a lot of uh, affordable housing and units and things like that. And here's what I will say, because I know there's people who are very, very... uh, well-versed in this. They know all the plans. They knew why it was good or why it was bad. And, you know, there's fights on Facebook. I was keeping up with it. I was keeping up with it. And what I will say is this. If Healy wants this MBTA community zoning plan, if she wants it and the people in charge want it, they will keep doing this. They'll either find a way around the, the no vote, which, by the way, take a victory lap. If you were on the on team no you deserve a victory lap but what i will say is don't get too excited because i've only been doing this for a little while but i have noticed that if there's a victory that goes against what the powers that be would prefer they will either find a way around it or they will keep putting it on the ballot until the no people forget about it or you know do you know what i'm saying like it will continue to happen and happen and happen until the no people lose steam and they stop showing up for it and then it will get passed through and then yeah, it will like happen the millionaire's tax yeah like how many times do we have to say no like i think there should be an amount of time like that you're allowed to bring yeah, things you forward. should be it's like the rule of threes or something like that you, you should allow or a like you, at least to have to wait a couple times. of years you know like wait a couple wait five years and then try again but right now you can tell that and it was pretty it was a lot closer than i thought it would be we can talk more about it later uh 844-500-4242 it was a lot closer than i thought it would be there was a lot of yes people out there and i talked to both i went and voted and i was talking to both and everybody was very from what i could tell everybody was very civil um and respectful towards one another now let's go Let's go to something that was a lot less civil, and that was the hearing yesterday. Fannie Willis took the stand. She wasn't going to, Jared. And then at the last moment, she decided, no, this is what I should do. People need to hear from Fannie. And I would like to do something we haven't done in a very long time. It's Friday. I want to have fun today. I want to take a trip down memory lane featuring Fannie Willis and the New York Times. So the New York Times puts out an article last year. It's actually February 16, 2023. And it's titled, Who is Fannie Willis, the prosecutor at the center of the Trump investigation? 
A decision on whether to bring charges in the investigation into election interference in Georgia now rests with Fannie T. Willis. I've noticed no one's using the T as much anymore. Is that something that happens when you fall out of favor with people? They'll drop the middle initial. Ask Taylor. He goes Taylor J. Cormier. But maybe when people aren't as happy with him, they just they start going right to Taylor. So she used to be Fannie T. Willis. Okay, and this is what The New York Times had to say. Miss Willis tends to speak as if the world were her jury box. Oh, that ended up becoming pretty true, actually. That's kind of poetic. Sometimes she is colloquial and warm. In an interview, she noted as an aside how much she loved Valentine's Day. Quote, put that in there in case I get a new boo, she said. Fanny T. Willis strode up to a podium in a red dress last year in downtown Atlanta, flanked by an array of dark suits and stone-faced officers in uniform. Ready for this? Her voice rang out loud and clear with a hint of swagger. If you thought Fulton was a good county to bring your crime to, to bring your violence to, you are wrong, she said, facing a bank of news cameras, and you are going to suffer consequences. That was Fanny talking a big game. I want people to know, though, her confidence has not been shaken. She was just as obnoxious yesterday as she was a year ago. I don't know if that's good or bad for her. Uh, Let's go to Joe Biden. He's speaking live now about Alexei Navalny. This is Joe. Make no mistake, Putin is responsible for Navalny's death. Putin is responsible. What has happened to Navalny is yet more proof of Putin's brutality. No one should be fooled, not in Russia, not at home, not anywhere in the world. Putin does not only target his citizens of other countries, as we've seen in what's going on in Ukraine right now. He also inflicts terrible crimes on his own people. And as people across Russia and around the world are mourning Navalny today because he was so many things that Putin was not. He was brave. He was principled. He was dedicated to building a Russia where the rule of law existed and where it applied to everybody. Navalny believed in that Russia, that Russia. He knew it was a cause worth fighting for and obviously even dying for. This tragedy reminds us of the stakes of this moment. We had to provide the funding so Ukraine can keep defending itself against Putin's vicious onslaughts and war crimes. You know, there was a bipartisan Senate vote that passed overwhelmingly in the He's United like States. He's like really Senate shameless. To I got to say, you know, I thought for a minute there maybe he could make remarks on Alexei Navalny, who, as I said at the beginning, courageous man. It's awful that he is now dead. He deserves all of the praise that's being heaped on him. But I just I thought for a minute maybe Biden could do that without making it about his own political agenda and saying like, oh, and that's why you should do that. Just If he starts bringing up Republicans in this, he really is the worst, which I I mean, he is the worst. But yeah. You know what I'm saying? Also, I mean, look, I mean, yeah, this probably was Putin's work. But as a world leader, can you show some evidence definitively that another world leader was responsible for this before we start taking barbs like that? And I'm not defending Putin. I'm just well, saying. Well, I think a lot of nations right now are coming out and they're saying yeah, Putin but, is to blame. I think even if you if you don't have the evidence that the, no, uh, of I, the actual death, you can still say that they imprisoned this guy for for reasons that like he at one point when he was sentenced to prison, he said to the guy on the the, the judge 
Navalny said to him, you're not a judge, you're just on the receiving end of a telephone. Like, it was obvious from the beginning that this was, he was grossly mistreated. So I think that's where he's coming from. But I just wish he could leave the funding out of it for a minute. Like, leave the funding out of it and talk about this man and his life and his courage and his family. But he obviously, he he can't, he can't do anything without either bringing himself into it or, you know, blaming Republicans. So I guess it's Republicans' fault that Navalny's dead, according to Joe Biden. I'm sure he's going to get to that any minute now. 844-500-4242. But that's not, that's not surprising. Like, it was pretty predictable that that's the road Joe Biden was going to go. I want to get back to Fannie Willis here. So this is what they said about her last year. They said Fannie T. Willis strode up to a podium in a red dress. So yesterday she's also in like a magenta colored dress. And by the way, here's what the media said about her dress yesterday. They're very, very taken with Fannie Willis. Okay, this is the New York Times. Again, this is the same guy a year later. So last year he's talking about she strode up in a red dress and her voice rang clear and she had swagger. And then this year he says, the hearing resumes on Friday at 9 a.m. Miss Willis is expected to take the stand for more grilling. The defense lawyers will likely crowd again onto one side of the packed courtroom. A sea of boxy wool suits and white male faces. The contrast with Miss Willis in glowing magenta could not be more glaring. And that is the narrative that the media is going with, is that this is, she's being treated unfairly because she's a black woman, not because she hired her lover to be the special prosecutor, even though he had very little experience, paid him more than the two other people who actually had experience, and then proceeded to go on cruises and excursions with him. They don't want to talk about that. They just want to talk about how she's in glowing magenta. She's a black woman. And the lawyers in the courtroom, with the exception of Miss Merchant, are all white males. Then what are we what are we even doing? Why is she even having to go to a hearing, Jared? Why is she even having to stand trial? That should be right there. Innocent. That should be right there or not guilty. <laughs> not innocent, but not guilty. She's a black woman and she's being questioned by white lawyers. Need I say more? Case closed. Uh, Biden's taking questions. I'm surprised by this. Let's go to it. Concern and, and, and almost, I won't say panic, but real concern about the United States being a reliable ally. This is outrageous. Are you more confident now that you'll get the Ukraine aid given what's happened today? Well, I hope to God it helps. But I mean, the idea we need anything more to get the Ukraine aid. I mean, I mean, this is... In light of a former president's statement that saying Russia, if, if they haven't paid their dues to us, go get them. Come on. What are these guys doing? What are they doing? Sir, how concerned are you about the anti-satellite capability that Russia is developing? And what is your administration planning to do in response? First of all, there is no nuclear threat to the people of America or anywhere else in the world with what Russia is doing at the moment, number one. Number two, anything that they're doing and or they will do relates to satellites and space and damaging those satellites potentially. Number three, 
I, there is no evidence that they have made a decision to go forward with doing anything in space either. So what we found out, there was a capacity to launch a system into space that could theoretically do something that was damaging. Hadn't happened yet, and uh, my expect, I, my hope is it will not. Thank you all. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, switching gears for a moment, have the Israelis presented a credible evacuation plan for the nearly 1.5 million displaced Palestinians sheltering in Rafah? And what would the consequences be for Israel if they move ahead with a full-scale ground invasion without clear measures to protect civilians there? Well, first of all, I've had extensive conversations with the Prime Minister of Israel over the last several days, almost an hour each. and. Uh, I've made the case, and I feel very strongly about it, that there has to be a... Okay, uh, I think we're good on this. Uh, I just wanted to say, you know, the old expression, never let a crisis go to waste. This is like never let any sort of tragedy or any moment go to waste without pushing your political agenda and also, also trying to create this idea that it's somehow the fault of Republicans for not even not wanting to fund Ukraine, but questioning the funds. You know, it's amazing. We're so far out as far as when this war started. And you're still not allowed to ask any questions. You're still not allowed to say, well, can we get some accounting of where this money's going to? And the whole purpose is to make someone, and, and I'll give you the example, to make me feel uncomfortable criticizing what we're doing. Like, that shouldn't be the case. Alexei Navalny, I should be able to say that it's horrible what happened to him. And I should also be able to say, I'm not sure if sending $60 billion to a corrupt country like Ukraine is a good idea without some sort of guardrails in place. Both of those things can exist. It doesn't make me a traitor. It doesn't make me a puppet of Putin. It doesn't make me a fan of Vladimir Putin. I can assure you I'm not. But this is what they want you to believe. They want you to believe or, or they want you to feel it's emotional manipulation. Like, you're not allowed to ask questions. You're not allowed to voice criticism without being seen as a, a fan of the other side. Like, oh, you must support Vladimir Putin if you don't think we should give Zelensky $60 billion. Well, why don't you explain how millions of dollars in Ukraine are going missing and how corrupt government officials in Ukraine are still involved in corruption i mean it's it was like three weeks ago i saw the headline about that but no one ever has to offer explanations it's just we just have to keep writing blank checks and, and i i don't agree with that and i think it's a really weak argument it's like it reminds me of tom tillis when he said oh well brief senators well guess what well brief senators you've got to make the case you you have to make the case to the american people as to why we should send money to secure a border when we won't secure our own. It doesn't mean the American people don't have empathy for the people in Ukraine. It doesn't mean that they they don't have um, disdain for Vladimir Putin. But you have to make your case and you have to explain. And maybe you're just not doing a good job of explaining it. 844-500-4242. We'll be right back. We'll take more of your calls and we'll play more sound of Fannie Willis. And plus, I have updates for you on the Robert Herr Report. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show.
This is the Grace Curley Show. See you in Ohio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. The Chiron on Fox says Biden, Putin is responsible for Navalny's death. You know, my takeaway from that speech would be that Republicans were responsible. That, that's kind of what you could also gather from the way that was framed. But that's just what he does. He can't help himself. There's never a moment. What did Michelle Obama say when they go low, we go high? There's never a moment where Joe Biden goes high. No, but it's about time they step up, don't you think? Instead of going on a two-week vacation. Two weeks. They're walking away. I'm sorry. Two weeks. What are they thinking? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on a second now. Hold on. I'm sorry. We're going to get lectured on vacation time from Mr. PTO. The dude has spent 30% or more of his presidency on vacation. Oh, 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 as the kids say, out of office. St. Croix, Nantucket, Rehoboth. He's going back there tonight. And you're going to lecture Republicans on taking vacations? Pot meat kettle, bro. The glass house has to have had shattered by this point. By the way, that, that headline I was referring to, keep in mind, I just this was just happening now, so I didn't have everything in front of me. Ukraine says it uncovers mass fraud in weapons procurement. It says Ukraine's SBU security service said on Saturday it had uncovered a corruption scheme in the purchase of arms by the country's military, totaling the equivalent of about $40 million. Later in Reuters, it says the fight to root out endemic corruption remains a major issue as Ukraine presses its bid to secure membership in the European Union. And, you know, I would remind people that a couple of weeks ago we were talking about, I don't know if we were talking about the Democrats in general or the Biden administration, but it is a theme with the Biden administration to set up these false choices or these this false equivalency like, oh, Um, If you don't want to go along, and it always has to do with these boondoggle bills, if you don't want to go along with spending X amount of money on border security, and then if you actually look into border security, it's like, you know, just paying for more asylum officers has nothing to do with either securing the wall or building a wall has nothing to do with that. But if you don't want to go along with that, then you want illegal immigration. And it's the same thing with if you don't go along with this bill where we mention somewhere in the text of it, the police, then you wanted to fund the police. They jump to these things and it's like you'd have to be a moron to buy that. You'd have to be really, really dumb to believe what Joe Biden is trying to sell people. And I I do think people are catching on to this where they're going, hold on, Alexei Navalny died in prison, probably at the hands of Vladimir Putin. And that somehow is the fault of Republicans because they won't pass $60 billion to go to Ukraine? Huh? We'll be right back. Two weeks. 